Digital Marketing Radio, episode 233. Google's core web vitals are becoming ranking signals in May 2021. But what exactly does this mean for SEO? Digital Marketing Radio with David Bain. I am David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, the show for in-house agency and entrepreneurial marketers who want to stay on top of the latest tools, tactics and trends shared on this very show by today's modern marketing masters. Back in November 2020, Google announced that page experience ranking signals will become part of its organic search ranking algorithm from May 2021, meaning that if users don't like your page, Google won't like it either. But what exactly does this mean for SEO? Joining me to discuss this is a lady who's been creating websites since 1997. Just for fun, she points out, though. <laughs> She's the adjunct uh, analyst... Adjunct... <laughs> Analytics, analytics. Say that ten times fast. So I used to, uh, I used to work for a company that uh, was called Analytics as the first uh, word, and that was a struggle. And I got there after met. about six months working. By, uh, I mean, it's been a while since I said the word. Maybe uh, I'm going to say it again. She's the adjunct analytics professor at County College of Morris, the founder of Stealth Search and Analytics, and the president and founder of Pam Anna Marketing. Welcome to DMR, Pam Angst. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, thanks, Pam. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, great to see you again. Uh, you can find Pam over at pamandmarketing.com. Um, so first question, uh, I'm going to throw you a bit here, Pam. Um, laser ray to 100K. What's that all about? <laughs> that is about cheering on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general to reach a certain milestone, which would be Bitcoin being one Bitcoin being worth 100K, which really just represents wider adoption of it. And I do kind of believe in the whole background and intention behind it. So, okay. Yeah, because I was checking out your Twitter handle beforehand and <laughs> saw that as a hashtag and obviously your updated <laughs> profile pic as well. <laughs> yes, you put the put the laser eyes in. That's like the thing. It just you know, so how, weird things just happen. How long are you going to have that profile pic for? How long until it reaches hundred k? I don't know. I'm going to have to. I'm watching it closely and or around fifty, trying to break back into fifty now. So we'll see. It's incredible. It's incredible. You, you look back and just two years ago when it was maybe um, what, less than five thousand dollars, and now nowadays nearly fifty thousand. Yes, yes, it's been a, a wild ride. It was up and then well, nobody believed in it at all. And then it flew and then, you know, people lost belief in it and it fell down. And now it's, this is kind of a really, really important inflection point, like as to, you know, some institutions are starting to adopt it, some corporations starting to invest in it, um, some higher net worth individuals starting to invest and add it to their retirement portfolios. And it's, uh, it's kind of an inflection point as, as to whether, you know, that dabbling is just going to kind of go away or it's going to become now, I think, fully adopted. And that's what I hope for. So that was one of today's sidetracks. But the core conversation that we're going to have today is about Google's core web vitals. Um, so what are they all about? Well, they love to put confusing names to things. Um, basically, they are metrics that measure user experience. For a long time, Google's talked about how your page should be optimized not only for keywords and the text content, but for user experience, making sure that it loads fast and it's really good on mobile and that users have a good experience on your website. But they didn't really have, other than speed and mobile friendliness, they didn't really have any metric, any metrics or um, benchmarks to kind of let, let yourself, to, to judge you by and let yourself 
measure yourself by as far as how you're doing with that. So these new core vitals are metrics that measure page experience. So it's not the experience of the whole website, but a single page. It gives it three main benchmarks to hit in order to kind of prove, I guess, that it's a good, at least has the foundation of a good user experience. So um, we've got Amon John saying in the chat, Danny, Danny Sullivan has said, don't expect to see large changes in the SERPs from core web vitals. Um, get your opinion of that just uh, later on, I guess. But um, the three core um, parts of it that you mentioned there are, first of all, largest contentful paint. And they love these uh, these tough phrases to memorize. What's, what's that one all about? Yeah. Um, largest contentful paint or LCP is basically the biggest thing that needs to be painted or loaded by the browser above the fold. So it's really about actually the perception of how fast the page loads, not necessarily how fast it actually loaded, but the perception. So like a lot of sites have a big like hero image or slider or banner or something right at the top. If everything loads around it and then the bottom of the page that the user can't even see is loading. And then the last thing that loads is that big hero image. It's going to feel slow to the user. So they want you to take that biggest piece and the largest piece of content and paint or load that and very early on in the page loading process. Yeah. So two, 2.5 seconds. So that's, that's fairly fast, but are we talking about a standard um, connection speed um, to base that 2.5 seconds off? Unfortunately, yes. Um, well, the unfortunate part is what that connection speed is. It is 1.6 megabits per second, which is, it's supposed to represent a large majority of mobile internet users. Um, but it's, it came from back when like hardly anyone had 3G. Mm. They started using that. And now they say that they recognize that most cellular internet users are using Wi-Fi or 4G, some 5G now. They still just, for whatever reason, are sticking by the 1.6 megabits per second connection. So on that super slow internet connection, your LCP element needs to load in 2.5 seconds or less. Okay, so so this essentially means yeah. that if you're checking out your website um, on your computer in your office and you've got a decent internet connection and your website loads in half a second, um, then that's not the stat that you should be concerned about. You should be concerned about how Google sees your site and obviously if they're using those sorts of speeds then you have to use a third-party testing kit in order to determine how Google sees your site. Yes, or maybe not third-party per se, but first party Google's own testing tool, which is called PageSpeed Insights. And so an important thing to note about that is that the 1.6 megabit per second thing is how they simulate a mobile phone and a mobile internet connection when evaluating your site with what they call lab data. Like basically just they run a test when you run a test and it tells you what it emulated while it, while it was pretending to be a 1.6 megabit per second cellular connection. But the the actual algorithm uses field data, which is from the Chrome web browser cookie data that Google can uh, collect a creepy amount of data about people and what they browse for and how long it took them to load a page. So you'll see on Google's PageSpeed Insights tool, a blend of lab data, which is where they pretend to be on a 1.6 megabit per second connection and field data, which is what users actually experienced. And so 
it is a bit difficult and agonizing to try to hit the lab data benchmarks. It's a good practice to try to do, but ultimately what actually matters, supposedly, they never give out full details on anything, but supposedly what actually matters is that is that field data, what users actually experience in a Chrome browser on your site. Okay, so... Obviously, we're talking about um, visually, what, what, what the users see themselves. So I guess that means it's important um, to try and limit the number of scripts or non-visual code uh, that is included in the uh, initial loading elements of, of a web page. Um, are you therefore a fan of um, not incorporating tracking scripts and elements like that in the, the header section of a website? So that is actually a very good practice, um, but I agree with the, the, it just went away, but the comment that was on the screen a moment ago about how um, the, although the Core Web Vitals are about page speed, uh, there it is. Yeah, while all of the, the Core Web Vitals measures about page speed, the focus of those three specific metrics are more on the rendering or display or painting of the page, like really like perception of speed and usability, not just speed, but perception of speed and usability. So the third party tracking script, keeping them under control, you can't avoid them completely in most cases, but keeping them under control, loading them with Google Tag Manager only when needed. Yes, those are all great page speed best practices, but for core web vitals specifically, we're talking about the interactivity of the page, like how quickly a user can start interacting with it, which is the second one we didn't mention yet, FID, first input delay. So, you know, it, it is annoying. You're on your phone, you're trying to use a website, it's in the process of loading, and you're like, <laughs> and the, the largest contemptful paint waiting for stuff to appear. And then the the third one is CLS, cumulative, cube. This is the word that I can never say. <laughs> cumulative layout shift, which is a fancy way of saying when you're loading something on your phone and like you go to hit something and then it jumps mm. somewhere else because That's something else just loaded above it. Yeah. That's what that is referring to. So it's more about the perception. And that commonly comes, in my experience, with um, adverts um, being uh, suddenly appearing in the middle of content. You're starting to read content, and then the content shifts down because uh, an, an ad actually is incorporated. So does that mean that sites with ads in them are actually perhaps going to do worse because of this update? It remains to be seen at large. Um, we have a couple of new sites that we work with that um, are struggling to meet these benchmarks at the moment, and we're working on it in iterative process. Another word I can never say on the first try. Um, so yes, I mean it, it. Just by nature, the the loading of ads and the way the order in which they load and the speed in which they load and the number of different servers they have to reach out to for their not only their content but their click fraud measures and you know it's 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 challenging for for sure. Okay, and um, so apparently an ideal measurement um, uh, is um, 100 milliseconds of your um, ideal um, initial interaction, your ability to, be, to, to interact. So that, that's very, very quick. Yes, but, you know, in Google's defense, they are kind of establishing these to represent the modern day mobile web user who does really expect things to be instantaneous. You know, our, our attention span as humans and our uh, expectation of instant gratification only grows and grows and grows with each day and each uh, advance in technology. So it's it's tough, but it's valid. But the good news is another comment came up on the screen before that um, this isn't likely to be like a cut you off at the knees kind of a thing. And that's what 
what Danny Sullivan was was tweeting about, like just like the mobile update and the speed update, these are they're setting the bar high so that everyone tries to start to you know climb as high, high up as they can to get as close to that bar as they can. Um, and at that point, when most people are up there, when most people, I should say sites, when most sites are up at the bar, near the bar, or beyond the bar that that Google's setting here, then they might be, start to incorporate it as a stronger ranking signal. Because at that point, you're falling behind. Then you're substandard. So, so what they did with the mobile and the speed updates is what they're doing now. They're saying setting the bar really high. Yes, it's going to start to count, not as much at first, but as it flips like it did, like with the mobile Geddon thing in 2015, mm. it, it kind of flipped from like a small percentage of sites had a mobile version to eventually, I'm not sure how long it took, but at some point it was like, okay, now if you don't have one, now you're in the minority and now you're doing users a disservice. So, so I think what Danny was trying to say is the same thing with this. We're setting bar high. We're starting to set the expectation that you're going to need to work on this and get there eventually. But it will increase in impact on your rankings over time. It won't be like May, whatever date they roll it out, you know, then like, boom, you're you're not good enough anymore and you're going to drop. It's not going to be like that. So what will this mean then for landing page strategy and also in general um, strategy to publish content on the web? So I'm thinking for landing pages that... Um, video has been very successful over the last few years. Um, does this mean that potentially publishers are going to be moving towards using stack, static imagery um, with a view to attempting to tone down that, um, that, 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 that time it takes to actually load a page? I hope not. Um, I mean, that would be one way of of achieving these benchmarks, um, some not necessarily these in particular, but page speed benchmarks. That would be one way. But I, I hope, um, and I think the general intention here is to kind of force designers and developers to design experiences that can be rich, but still load fast. Like right now, it seems to be kind of an either or. Either you have a rich media experience on your site and your page speed suffers, or you have a fast site and you don't have any rich media experience. I think the goal here is like the idea of kind of forcing the design and development industry to figure out ways to provide rich experiences without a suffrage of page load or, you know, perception of page load. How does a marketer get started with this? I, I guess the, the, the initial steps are to to look at their current stats to see what kind of metrics that they're getting for their current site. So wh where does a marketer see that? Yes. So that would be Google PageSpeed Insights. So the easiest way to find it is to Google for PageSpeed Insights, PageSpeed being one word insights, the second word, and that it'll be the first thing that comes up. Just run your site through that. Make sure to copy paste your site's URL into the tool because you will actually get slightly inaccurate results if you if you type and you like include the www when your site doesn't actually include that or you type HTTP when it's actually HTTPS. Copy paste your URL into PageSpeed Insights and see where you're at it. Thankfully, even though a lot of this is very complex, um, terminology and metrics and, and whatnot. But uh, thankfully they give you a simple red, yellow, green kind of gauge. Like, are you bad? Okay. Or good. <laughs> so look at the colors and just start there to get a feel for how you're doing. And I read a stats um, saying something like 15% of websites are good, but most are bad at the moment. So that's uh, an incredible stat. 
Yeah, I mean, in a way, like as as difficult as it's going to be to get our clients to reach these benchmarks, and we've been working on this for quite some time already, and we're, we still have some uh, that are that are struggling, particularly those with ads. Um, it, I think it's a good thing in the long run because I can't tell you like how many times a day I'm annoyed by looking something up on my phone and while it's loading, I go to click on something, but then it jumps and it disappears and yeah. I click on something else by accident yes. because of that cumulative shift. Definitely. An- annoying, annoying. Um, <laughs> so if, um, well, f- first of all, in terms of the URL that you're talking about there, can this be done to every page individually on a website or is it um, just domain focused, the the report? Yeah, great question. Um so core web vitals are referred to, or actually this update where core web vitals are going to be incorporated in the algorithm is being referred to as the page experience update. So it is, you know, as the name implies, a page by page thing, not necessarily a site wide thing. Um, but I do encourage everyone to start with your homepage because with most sites, not all, but most sites, the homepage gets the lion's share of the traffic and the rankings in search engines. So it's important to measure each maybe not each page, each type of page on your site to make sure that it's designed well for core web vitals, you know, a home page, a static page, a blog post, et cetera. Um, but start with the home page because that's probably going to be the most impactful for you. And if a marketer runs their site, their page uh, through through this and everything's terrible, everything's red, uh, where tends to be the, the, the top few places to actually prioritize what needs to be fixed? That's not an easy question to answer. It's very case by case basis um, because that tool it it takes into account all of the page speed benchmarks, which are kind of similar but separate. You can kind of envision it like a Venn diagram. There's all the page speed stuff, and then there's the core web vital stuff, which is the perception and user ex- perception of how fast it's loading and the user experience of it. And then there's some crossover between that. Um, but this tool is going to show you all of it, everything that's wrong with all of it. But thankfully, too, it does tell you the level of impact that it believes it's having. Um, So each piece, you know, like you mentioned, external scripts, although that's not part of the Core Web Vitals, that will be on the report if you run a PageSpeed Insights report. And it will tell you how many milliseconds or seconds it believes that issue for you is you know, adding to your page load time. And then if you click on that and expand it, it will even tell you exactly which scripts it believes are problematic. And a lot of times you can't do anything about it, but it's really just a process of starting from the top down with the most impactful things, digging into the detail of them and finding the ones you can do something about. Okay, and um, Amazon share, uh, I'm sure that um, Danny, Danny Sullivan said, don't expect to see large changes in the SERP. So I mentioned that at the beginning. Um, is this something that um, you've concerns about that um, come May, some of your clients or some websites out there are going to see significant drops in organic traffic because of this? No, I don't think so. Like I was saying, I think that they're just starting by setting the bar high and starting to kind of nudge you into having to pay attention to it by making it count a little bit. Um, and I, But I do believe it will grow in importance, like he said, more and more over time. So as, as it like right now, like you said before, you know, large percentage of websites have a very poor user experience when when stacked up to these core web vital benchmarks. But at some point, when people are going to start working on them, be aware of them now and aim to to hit them or exceed them, then when it gets to the point where those that haven't worked on it are left behind and those are, you know, the minority compared to the others, then I think it'll grow in importance. So short answer, no, I don't think it's something you have to worry about. Just like your traffic, just, you know, in May or June, if you don't do it. Um, but it is important to start working on it, especially because it's so complex and it's going to take a while to figure it out on each and every site because every site's different. 
And Ashraf is saying in the chat, image optimization is usually the biggest issue, but thankfully the easiest fix. Uh, and in terms of images, what, what I tend to do is um, have most images being JPEGs saved at roughly 80 quality and um, interlace so that they um, load gradually. Is, is that a, a, a great way to do it? Are, are there better ways to do it than that? There's a lot of different ways to make sure that your images are not too large, either in dimensions like like. You don't want to put a 4,000 by 4,000 pixel image into a 40 by 40 pixel square yeah. or weight, you know, the, the kilobytes or the megabytes of the image. And that is a very common, common issue. Um, but I'm glad this came up because although the image optimization is usually on the pure page speed side of things as far as load time and not necessarily core web vitals, I am seeing it in some cases cause, I, I am seeing the resolution, one of the resolutions to image optimization, which is lazy loading cause core web vitals issues mm -hmm. so there's some plugins like if you have a wordpress site you can get a lazy loading plugin and what that means is it loads it, obviously you should make your images as lightweight as possible but you also want to make sure you're not the browser's not waiting to load the images that are out of sight of the user prior to the ones you know that are visible by the user above the fold um, so lazy loading plugins are a great solution to help make sure that your image optimization scores are good but I'm seeing it where like some of the plugins, they apply the lazy loading thing in a certain way where it's actually like taking like the image, the logo at the top, for example, or any image at the at the very top and lazy loading it Ooh. when it shouldn't be. And mm. that's causing the, you know, core web vitals to be bad. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's all very complicated. Image optimization is a huge part of it for a lot of sites. Um, but it's it's never easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, great tips there. But um, let's segue into part part two of our discussion. So it's now time for Pam's thoughts on the state of digital marketing today. So starting off with secret software. So Pam, share a lesser known Martech tool that's bringing you a lot of value at the moment, and why that tool is important for you. Okay. Um, so I think my favorite would be, and I've said this for a little while now, but it still remains my favorite. Kwfinder.com. So it's a keyword research tool. Uh, it's just got everything really, well, almost everything I've ever wanted in a keyword research tool. But I also, being the the nerd that I am that looks deep into how metrics are evaluated and, and calculated, uh, I believe it to be one of the more accurate sources of keyword data, meaning like search volume and competition. They use numbers straight from the source from Google, but they also then layer on top of that third-party cookie data. Um, because Google only gives out, like Google keeps chunking their data into more broader chunks, um, making it less detailed. And so I love the detail that that process uh, gives out. And a lot of uh, other tools do that too, as far as the accuracy of the data. But then I find that they lack um, user experience, things like being able to easily build lists and export them and import lists and so on. And so kwfinder.com would be my favorite of the moment. Great. Well, a lot of marketers just love to find something new and uh, different. Uh, but sometimes the, the old software that's worked for a long time is the best one just to stick to. Yeah, yeah. No, it hasn't been too, too long. Um, you know, maybe a year and a half for, okay. I guess maybe, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's newer to most people as far as being aware that it exists. Okay, well, moving on from something that you currently use to something that you're going to use. So next on the list what's one marketing activity or tool that you haven't tried yet but you want to test soon i want to say like 
more social that I don't know if it counts as like a MarTech tool, but like more social advertising platforms that are obviously here to stay that I haven't experimented with yet, like Snapchat and TikTok. Um, you know, I've, I've signed up for their ad platforms, poked around a little bit, but I've never really given it an honest try as of yet. So, so you're talking I about trying I, it from past time for me to do that from an ad perspective rather than actually a social uh, organic perspective. Well, so in the class that I'm teaching about digital marketing analytics, um, social media analytics is a strong focus in there. And so basically we kind of, in that sense that we're looking at using the analytics interfaces in those as tools to evaluate how the advertising is going. So I guess that's why it came to mind for me as a tool. Um, yes, it's an advertising tactic, but I guess I want to get more familiar with how those analytics platforms, the reporting in there, how their reporting tools uh, work and can give you insights on how to make ads on those platforms better. I'm saying in the chat that I should usually get into the 70s with my JPEGs, anywhere from 72 to 78%. So I'm not optimizing my JPEGs enough. Okay, I'll, I'll have to give that a go. <laughs> oh, well, new. Um, they have the new formats too. They want you to deliver not in JPEG, but in WebP. Yeah dot web p uh, but you also need to have jpeg as a fallback if someone comes with a browser that doesn't support web p and that's like right. i said none of it is easy that's that's <laughs> right um i i'm still using macromedia fireworks to create images and that's a piece of software from wow. a long time ago <laughs> i did not know that still exists <laughs> it doesn't still exist it just still exists on my computer <laughs> it still works so why not <laughs> <laughs> it exists only on your computer. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you remember at least. So. Awesome. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm dating myself. Well, I'm sure I you're a Dreamweaver user as well. Not, not at the moment, but uh, in the past, yes. I was, yeah. I was. Yeah. not anymore. No, no, no. I was just about, that's like the like word association thing. Like it just came into my head when you said fireworks. I was like Dreamweaver. Like, yeah, <laughs> Dreamweaver Ultra Dev as well. That's the, the, the fancy version of that. There we go. Oh, I never got there. I'm just... Dreamweaver, GeoCities, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there was another like Microsoft one that I don't remember. There's front page. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's what it was. Okay. Well, <laughs> to, 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 moving away from this historical conversation onto the this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Just two rules here. <laughs> Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So use it wisely. Are you ready? Only, uh, oh, both. Okay. <laughs> both is an answer allowed once. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Now I'm ready. <laughs> TikTok or Twitter? Twitter. You almost had to use your both then. <laughs> Facebook or LinkedIn? I know. It was a tough one. Um, oh, it depends on what it's for. Uh, personally, Facebook for business, LinkedIn. Is that my both y answer? We'll see. <laughs> YouTube or podcast? <laughs> personally podcast this is a real struggle for you isn't it yeah, i know it is because i see the value in everything okay keep going traffic or leads <laughs> leads of course paid search or seo it depends can i make that my official both answer if you want yeah because you didn't SEO use the word once you, yeah gun to, gun to my head if i have to choose seo ads or influencers ads Google ads or Facebook ads? Google ads. Email or chat? I'm sorry, email or... Chat. Chat, email. I don't know that I understood the... So, so, like a messenger? Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm defeating the purpose of lightning round by asking for <laughs> clarification. 
So what was the answer? Sorry. Did you, did you say email? Email. email. Go, okay. with, go with email. <laughs> Martech stack or all in one platform? That's also a tough one. Martech stack. One-to-one or scale? Scale. I, I, do, 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 I'm fortunate that I make my ticking go round and round in a circle so um it doesn't matter that the track's only a minute long or so it circles just in case anyone takes too long so i think i certainly needed it then <laughs> it certainly adds to the anxiety the tick 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 well it was it was a bit of fun i'm not sure which answer to probe into more um i i tell you i i expected paid search and seo just to be specifically seo because i associate you as being primarily seo would you not describe yourself as that now or is it just that you see value in both I I would. That's what I said under my head. I'll say SEO because I I would say that I primarily specialize in that, work in that, promote that. Um, but it, there are use cases where paid search is the way to go, or at least if t- not temporarily, like a brand new site. It's going to take forever, an annoyingly long time to get the SEO going. So paid search does definitely have value there. Or if the company doesn't have the resources or the time or patience to to spend on getting SEO working, paid search, depending upon the cost per click in their world, can make a ton of sense. So um, that was a tough one. It was a tough one, but um, it was a good answer. So I'll let you off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) We're moving on to... The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Mm, That's an easy one. I would redo my website and I would measure success based upon how many leads, not necessarily traffic, but how many good leads I got from the redesigned version. Okay. And um, where would the majority of those leads come from? What source of traffic? Ideally, SEO. Yeah, that's what we have the most of now, and I'd like to retain that. Um, but I don't think that um, kind of similar to what we were talking about with Core Web Vitals, like you know, page speed, how fast it loads, isn't necessarily the only thing to focus on. It's how people perceive it. And so I think I have a similar issue with my website, and that's so old at this point uh, that you know, even though we get a lot of traffic, I don't think it gives across the right perception of us and who we are, what we do, what we specialize in. So is it primarily um, page speed or are there issues with with mobile um, um, design as well? I think it's actually more of a messaging thing and also also a design thing to make it kind of look more modern. It's it's too many years old. I don't want to admit how many years old at this point the design. It, it is mobile friendly, but it's just like users expect to see a different type of design these days. And we look like behind in that sense. And then I just don't think it effectively gets the message across of, I mean, maybe it does for what we do and what we specialize in, but not like the real true value and benefit that the clients get out of it. It's amazing how quickly and easy it is actually to get a new incredible website design up up there nowadays. I I would assume you'd use WordPress to do that? Yes, absolutely. And I would use um, some of the new really streamlined methods of building sites in WordPress, um, which uh, have to do with page builders. So I really like uh, Elementor as a page builder and Astra as a theme and Astra's pre-built sites that you can import like a basically done already website and then just tweak it for your needs um, in, in a very short amount of time. I'm and glad, really glad you said Elementor actually because I'm looking into doing that at the moment because um, 
I haven't rebuilt the, the, the digital marketing radio website yet. So at the moment, it's, it's a couple of years old. It doesn't even have the podcast on there. So that's what I'm going to be doing. I was going to be using Elementor. So I'll certainly look into Astra as a theme. Is that something that's made by Elementor as well? Or is it, is it a third party um, uh, company that does that? No, those are two different companies. Astra is a theme provider and Elementor is a page builder provider. And I know this gets really confusing. Um, so if you think of the theme as kind of like the window frame and Elementor being the glass, you know, the page builder being the glass in, in the middle. Um, so Astra basically on these, these combo sites, it controls the header and the footer, um, maybe a sidebar too. Uh, but then the, it, the meat of the page, the inside of the page, the inside of the window frame is uh, built with Elementor. Now Elementor is coming out with a theme builder has come out, I guess I haven't used it yet. Um, so maybe it could, add that to my yeah list I, I, I think they have to I, try i think they've come up with a theme builder i know the free version of elementor you can just um uh, amend the, the the core elements of a web page and not the header and footer at all but um i think the, the pro version of elementor you can edit the whole thing and they've got their own theme as well so so that's what i was intending on using but i'm not sure if a third party theme is is better yeah so the only thing keeping me from uh jumping ship over to that at this point is the the whole pre-built sites thing like the astra pre-built sites that use elementor the that use the combination of Elementor and Astra are just so quick and easy that mm. it's like a bundle. It includes the theme, the page builder, and all the plugins that you'll need, sample content, sample imagery. It's just too quick and easy for me to try to learn something else right now. Yeah. It's, it's nice starting off with, with um, a, a design. You don't have to use the whole design, but at least you've got that template to begin with, that, that piece of artistry to, that you can adapt and, and, and make your own. Right, right. Right, exactly. It's actually allowed us to start building WordPress websites for clients, mm. so simple, small, templated ones. Um, we never claim to be specialists in graphic design. If you want a custom award-winning graphic designer for your website, that is not us. I can recommend several great ones, but that is not us. But for clients that have needed a quick, like, you know, they're launching a new product or whatever, they need a quick and easy, um, simple, inexpensive but really nice looking website. We've we've been able to not being graphic designers. We've been able to build sites that look great for clients using that. Absolutely. Well, to to finish off, let's focus on um, someone else who deserves it. So that is magical marketer. Who's an up and coming marketer that you would love to give a shout out to, and um, what can we learn from them? Where can we find them? So I want to give a shout out to Carrie Barrett. K e r r y b a. R-R-E-T-T, -T? I think it's two R's and two T's. I'm sorry, Carrie. Um, she is uh, has recently started her own consultancy where she consults on video presence and, you know, video marketing, but like from, from a such more nuanced perspective. So her background is that she's actually an Emmy award-winning uh, TV news anchor in the past. She was on, you know, like the, the news morning shows and a variety of different uh, news uh, programs she was an anchor on. And so she, she really is an expert in like the little things. Like I've been trying to like look at the camera more. And when I'm listening to you while you're talking, like, like at least like don't have RBF, like at least attempt to look like I'm smiling a little bit. So it's an you RBF? Know, like, I, get, I, get, I can't think what RBF is. <laughs> What's RBF? Um, an expletive in the middle. Okay, resting right. face. Okay. I, I bleeped my resting bleep face. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but she has great tips like that. Like those little things make a, a big difference in this new world where yeah. we have to present ourselves 
primarily, if not only, virtually. And I thought I was pretty good at the kind of stuff until I started listening to her tips. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a long way to go. A lot of, uh, lot of refinements I can do here. So I really valued her tips during this time. Everyone does. You, you can improve all the time. And I'll certainly check her out as well, because um, it's important to just keep on improving. Even if you're just using a webcam, you've got the webcam on top, top of your computer, do things like minimize the window of whatever video application you're using. Have it just underneath the webcam. So even if you're looking at someone, it looks as if you're you're roughly looking in the webcam area and you're not looking off to the side when you're talking to someone. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That I should have put you over here instead of <laughs> over here. Cause yeah, I keep looking down there and uh, also like my the little things that make you look like not totally professional. Like my background is actually like not straight right now. And that's something Carrie and I are working I'm, on um, some course videos together and, and her person pointed that out to me. I was like, Oh man, that's right. And that's gotta, something that gotta, the podcast yeah. listener doesn't really give two hoots about because they're listening to an audio form only, obviously. Well, so when you're on a webinar right, and you're right, recording right. for a podcast, it's uh, it's hard sometimes to use language that uh, ensures it's relevant for the audio listener as well as the the viewer that, that that's live at the time. Yes, yes, definitely. So, so her services focus on consulting. Well, I, I guess entirely for video, but um, the, all those small things on video really add up the eye contact, the facial expression, the posture, the lines in the background not being straight, you know, um, I I just really value those those tips because I think it makes a huge difference and she really knows what she's doing. I'm just um, for the podcast listener. I'm just um, putting up messages on the screen written by people watching live that um, are intended to put Pam off. off, That's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, You have been listening to Pam Onks from pamandmarketing.com, who on today's episode of Digital Marketing Radio shared a whole lot of value. Um, On the first um, part, we're obviously talking about um, Google's updates and what they were doing, and Pam was sharing a lot of wonderful advice, including lazy loading um, of um, images and um, and so so many other um, page speed tips as part of that as well. Your secret software was Key W Finder, and um, of course, your magic marketer was Kerry Barrett as well. Now, we'll make sure that um, we have links Links to all your software recommendations and your magical marketer in the show notes, which will be on Digital Marketing Radio when the website actually relaunches. And of course, in the show description on um, YouTube um, as well. Um, So that will be live within the next day or so on YouTube. Um, Pam, what's the best social platform for someone to follow you and say hi? Um, Really any of them. I'm going to be non-committal in my answer, like in the lightning round. I can't choose a single one of them. They it depends. Them. It depends on what social network Twitter. you like. <laughs> it depends. That's always my answer. Everyone loves that. It's not <laughs> <laughs> well, anywhere that you are. You know, I shouldn't say that. Actually, Twitter. I mean, uh, TikTok. I'm not on as a business just yet, but as a person, I am. Just search for Pam Onks. Um, your <laughs> your SEOs. You appear in different places, so wherever it takes your fancy follower. Um, thanks so much <laughs> for coming on again today. I've been your host, David Bain. You can also find me producing podcasts for B2B brands over at castingcred.com. If you want to watch the next episode live, subscribe on the Digital Marketing Radio YouTube channel. And if you're already listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you're you're consuming the content, tell a friend. It's good to share. Until we meet again, stay hungry, stay foolish, and stay subscribed. Aloha. DigitalMarketingRadio.com DigitalMarketingRadio.com DigitalMarketingRadio DigitalMarketingRadio DigitalMarketingRadio.com Digital